You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. This episode of No Love Lost is brought to you by FredsBS.com. That's breads and spreads by Fred. Guys, we are well into the fall season, and I've said it once, I'll say it again. Now is the perfect time of the year to go ahead and treat yourself to some delicious baked goods. And what better place to go than to FredsBS.com? His store has brownies and blondies and jams and brown sugar buddies and all sorts of delicious great stuff. And if you're an LA local, it even has pie and the option for free free pickup instead of delivery. So if you're interested in supporting No Love Lost directly, go ahead and send Fred an email at fstevens.management at gmail.com. That's f-s-t-e-p-h-e-n-s dot management at gmail.com. And use No Love Lost in the subject line to go ahead and get 20% off of your order. So go ahead and email Fred, let him know what in his store you would like to order, and that coupon code will get you 20% off and help support this awesome podcast that you're listening to right now. And if you're looking for other ways to support the podcast, why not head on over to the Podcast Jukebox Network and get yourself some No Love Lost merchandise, like a No Love Lost t-shirt or a Crazy About Kurt t-shirt. And also, they don't sell them on the Podcast Jukebox Network, but like, if you haven't already done so, go to Amazon and buy Will's book. Uh, (laughs) You won't regret it. It's a good time. Anywho, uh, I just wanted to go ahead and take the time to say thank you guys so, so much for listening. Uh, We are rolling into my favorite time of the year. Later on this week is Halloween. So I just want to wish you all a very, very happy Halloween, a very happy holiday. I hope you all have a wonderful time and stay safe out there, okay? Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for leaving comments and ratings, all that fun jazz. So again, we can't thank you enough. You guys are the best. All right. On that note, Michelle, if you would be so kind. Let's go to the island. I would like to see the polar bears. There was a crash and there are others and there are numbers and it all means something supposed to had mm-hmm. to go back debatable well i mean to be fair i kind of <laughs> debated that mid-sentence i was gonna say you that was an extra long pause i'm not sure what you were waiting for were you waiting for me to interject <laughs> we're going to you're gonna see the pauses get longer as <laughs> it's gone to so one just... <laughs> episode there's gonna be a 30 minute pause so skip That's ahead just to half the half the podcast uh, if you do it again, I will interject. <laughs> I'll be. I'll just say no. Welcome back to No Love Lost, the podcast where we thoroughly break <laughs> down each microsecond no. of the hit ABC television series Lost. No. <laughs> I am Will Link, and with me as always, Megan Salinas. Hey, everyone. And we are here to talk about season two. Episode 16, The Whole Truth. And nothing but the truth? So help 
me gone. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, there is not... I, I want to go ahead and put an objection right here. There is no courtroom scene in this episode. I'm out of order. You're out of order. The this whole, whole system's out of order. This whole episode of Lost is out of order. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I, I, I actually want to ask you a non-Lost related question. Okay. As we... And, since this only happened yesterday, and this will be two weeks once you hear this, but are you have you seen or are you interested in Damon Lindelof's new uh, TV series Watchmen? Oh, um, you know, I you know I've read the graphic novel. It's great. Um, I've watched the movie, and I have I think a fondness for the movie that a lot of big fans of the graphic novel don't <laughs> honestly same um because i i will be uh and totally fair critique for because i read the graphic novel after i saw the movie so had it been the other way around maybe i would share a lot of those criticisms that um big fans of the graphic novel have um when i i remember when like game of thrones was wrapping up seeing the the promos for watchmen and going okay this could be interesting um but I haven't sat down to watch it as of yet. And I know a few friends who are doing like write-ups on it. So I haven't had the chance to like sit down and read their takes on it. So long story short, I was interested, but like it was one of those like cautiously keeping it at a distance. Like I want to see how things are panning out before yeah. I dive into it. That being said, I did not know Lindelof was involved. Well, that's why I wanted to, I figured since we're doing a lost uh, <laughs> podcast. Are, and are we just going to put the lost rewatch on hold as we sit down and start to dissect I, Watchmen? <laughs> I look, I would, I would do a side, like a Watchmen minute each week, but we're, 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 we're not going to do that. But, uh, I figured since Lindelof was in the news and he is the one of the masterminds behind we this show, we could have called it Minutemen. Uh, we should have, yeah. Oh, it's stupid, yeah. Um, I it, it's funny because I I read the graphic novel before I saw the film. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I think the graphic novel is maybe one of the best things I've ever read. Like I think it's phenomenal. That's high I think it's 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 brilliant on every level. I happen to also like the movie because. I feel like for the things that people say the movie got wrong, I think it gets a lot of things right. And I think if you were... I think you should not distill the graphic novel down to a three-hour movie. There's too much there. However, if you are going to, I think that Snyder did a heck of a job getting a, getting everything he got in there. And I think there are a lot of things. I think there are some amazing performances, particularly... Uh, Jackie O'Hurley oh, is Rorschach. Oh, his Rorschach is so good. And Jeffrey Dean Morgan is the comedian, I think, is phenomenal, too. And I think they capture things about those characters that, that the graphic novel did. Um, I watched the first episode of the series. For me, it's like Damon Lindelof. I think he did it again because, <laughs> because I also... Like, you knocked I'm, it out of the park. <laughs> I'm obsessed with The Leftovers as well. And just so you know, going into it... Uh, uh, if you decide to give it a look, it's the series is a sequel to the graphic novel, not the film, not the film. Okay, okay. So interesting. So so what, canonically, 
No, I'm not. I was going to say, so canonically, the ending, because the ending of the film and the ending of the graphic novel are different. And I was just going to spoil the ending of the graphic novel, but I I won't do that. This is also probably a good point to, to go ahead and make, generally speaking, our spoiler alert if you have not watched lost and if this happens to be the first episode of our podcast that you're listening to just fyi we are going to spoil everything about this series except for the stuff we can't remember <laughs> yes and just fyi uh yeah it, you haven't stumbled upon a watchman podcast <laughs> no no um but the ending of the graphic novel and the ending of the film are very different and so it it will be interesting to see canonically speaking how this series handles that sort of discrepancy. That's cool, though. Yeah. It's kind of like how I'm questioning um, the upcoming adaptation of Dr. Sleep. I'm like, well, is this going to be an adaptation of the book or is this going to be a sequel to The Shining? Because there are differences between uh, the original Kubrick film and the Stephen King film. I've been wondering the same thing. And I know King's not a fan of the uh, Kubrick film. I think... I, I've had this discussion with a few people. He has since come to terms with it, but I'm like, coming to terms isn't the same as liking it well, or endorsing like, you know, it. Yeah, like, <laughs> I can deal with the fact that I think this guy ruined my book. Also, what's so funny is The Shining is probably my favorite horror film of all time. Uh, it's it's one of the best films ever made. Period. Um, real quick, I just want to do a little self plug. I was actually recently in an episode of Nerd Fight. Uh, over on the Story Geeks podcast talking about what is the best Stephen King adaptation and I had to argue against The Shining because I was going to bat for The Mist but oh. somebody else took The Shining but Shining is a tough uh, we're getting way yeah, off we're of getting Boston, way off but of let, me just, let me just say <laughs> The Shining is a tough pick for best Stephen King adaptation because it's not because, a faithful adaptation exactly which is why I didn't pick it which is why I picked The Mist um, but as a film, it's also really hard to argue against it because it's such a phenomenal film. So I won't give away the ending of the nerd fight, but just uh, just FYI, guys, it was a tall order to go up against. And I will say that at the end of the day, the best adaptation of a Stephen King uh, book or story is uh, not a horror film at all. It's the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, that was the thing. <laughs> Things like Stand By Me and Shawshank were excluded from this because they weren't horror yeah. movies. They, they like It's the spoopy season, everybody. We gotta stick with the horror stuff. So, to, to wrap up Minutemen, Will, <laughs> you would recommend Watchmen I after would recommend, one episode. And if you are a fan, I, I think if you're a fan of Lost and a fan of The Leftovers in particular and also like The Watchmen, I could see some similar things themes about loss and about people getting over something that has happened in society which is what the leftovers is i can see a lot of those themes already in the first episode of watchmen and i'm excited to see where they take it but now let's talk (laughs) about the other great damon lindelof project loss in this episode the whole truth (laughs) is written by Elizabeth Sarnoff and Christina M. Kim, and directed by Karen Gavola. Gaviola. Gaviola. So, two women writers and a woman director. You know what? I've noticed a... And it's going to be interesting to see if this keeps up. But even though the big episodes are always Lindelof and Coos, and they're the, you know, the, the, the head writers and showrunners, 
I've noticed, I feel like I've been reading the names of a lot of women more than I realize that there were this early in the show. I feel like there were more women writing for this season than there were for season one. Yeah. So I find that interesting because a lot of my gripes with this show, even early on, are how they handle kind of storylines for female characters like uh don't get me started on what kate should have been (laughs) well you know but this episode i think you really do have to think about that this was written by two women and directed by a woman because it's not just an episode where the a story is and even the b story to a point uh where the a story is about women it's also by a about a particular it's about pregnancy. Yeah. And it's about infertility. And it's about these things that a woman is going to be able to speak to a lot better than me or a man, <laughs> uh, any other man, is going to be able to. And I think there were some really nice moments. And, and I don't know. If I didn't know who had written it, if I would have been watching it, thinking about it. But th- there's a scene at one point where, like, son goes to Kate. And it's just kind of like nice moment of two like a female friendship and two women confiding in each other and that maybe a man wouldn't have written or thought about as much i I don't know it was a nice moment and um i'll be honest i wasn't paying attention to the credits watching it so watching this episode i was going a little bit like um hmm less because of like the actual contents of this episode and more knowing that pregnancy is going to be a big storyline in season three my i have to reconcile my feelings uh and we'll get there when we get there but i know i'm going to have to reconcile my feelings about the pregnancy plot line in season three because i don't know how i feel about it in all honesty i think it's kind of weird (laughs) not i'm not gonna lie i think it's weird but this is an isolated episode i think it comes a little out of left field and not completely because we did have that one line from Sun um, when she was babysitting for Claire about how a mother shouldn't leave her child but outside of that I don't know I kind of feel like this Sun pregnancy thing almost comes out of left field but outside of that I think this is a pretty enjoyable episode um well let's get to the flashback first and And I actually really like this flashback because this flashback has, you know, the flashbacks of the show are at most usually 15 minutes of screen time at most. And there were a, there were multiple twists in this flashback. Yeah, there were. And, and I bought all of them. And sure, a lot of it is because we bring this knowledge of these characters, like in a vacuum. But I thought it was so well done. And it starts off, uh, we see Sun come in and she's like she's looking good she comes out of the bathroom there and Jin's sitting there like smiling look he's happy to see his wife she does a little twirl this for is him. super this is super cute up until it's not well that's the thing about this scene when we first see the scene we're like oh this must be in the good times between them yeah because he's looking at her so loving and we know he loves her and she's looking at him there's like this this film and yeah. then he kind of Because she's like, I'm not going to twirl for you. And he goes, please. And she's like, okay. And then when she does it, you can tell she likes to. And he's happy. And she's happy. It's so cute. But then it kind of like, 
Okay, take the temperature because we're trying to have a baby. And here. there is nothing uh, as not sexy as all of a sudden being clinical when you're about to be intimate. Oh man! And talking, going to fertility doctors. <laughs> it's not romantic at all. And like, th- don't get me wrong. This is an important adult conversation that two, uh, you know, two partners should certainly have with one another does kind of kill the mood though but here's the thing okay now maybe look i've never been in a serious enough relationship where i've talked about having kids with somebody <laughs> however if i was in the scenario and you always see this in movies where they're like oh they're starting to get it on like oh we should check the temperature oh we should do this or we should do that or we should talk yeah. about the fertility you're gonna do it <laughs> You're clearly both in the mood. Just do it. Like, right? I mean, so if if she comes back like, oh, the temperature's not ideal, are they not going to have sex? Because guess what? They could just have sex again yeah. later or tomorrow. <laughs> Give it a, the old college try one more time. Like, like, that's what I've never understood about this. Like, just, you're in the bone zone. Just do it. Who cares about the temperature? You can take your temperature later and yeah. give it another go. Yeah, I do, like I don't, and especially now, coming from gin. Now it would be one thing if like they had just like wrapped up dinner and then they were like, "Hey, you in the mood? Okay, let's take the temperature real quick." Like that to me yeah. is more of a proper sequence of events or, as opposed to like we're already here. Or, let's get to it. Or if one of them wasn't feeling it, but they're like, "Well, but the temperature is right." Yeah. Yeah. Then it's like, well, I could get in the mood. Like, yeah, you're absolutely right. This this <laughs> is a total never... like stepping on the brakes moment from a screenwriting but perspective. Is, it's such a trope. I've seen it in a million different. <laughs> things like it's like just have, just if the temperature's sex. wrong oh well i guess we can't have sex yep <laughs> but a lot of this come from jen and jen's feeling more anxiety about having this baby than some because uh, oh this is... now this is the conversation <laughs> that is a total mood killer if we just have a baby it'll fix everything it'll fix everything we gotta get because no. that's the way it works no. if your relationship is on the rocks if you're stressed out just have a baby. No. Makes everything better. He wants to have a baby so his father-in-law <laughs> might be, like, give him safer jobs and be cooler to him than rather have him send out and, like, beat people to death. <sighs> Babies fix everything. It's in no. my notes. It's in my notes. Babies fix everything. How did I know that was going to be in your notes? That's the thing. I... I don't remember which episode it was we were talking about, about a baby fixing your relationship. But no, that's not what happens. That's not how it works. If you're a couple who's on the rocks, absolutely don't do that. A baby will not fix anything. So the next time we see Sun, she's like, she's snooping around. She's walking real suspicious to a hotel. And she goes into a room, and who's there? Um, her old—do we call him a flame? I don't know. They had the old they, person was set up. Yeah, the not quite blind date. Yeah, but, um, the yeah the, the guy who the South Korean Mister Clean, the gentleman <laughs> that was uh, courting her 
for the purpose of getting their parents off their back. <laughs> I believe his last name is Lee. I believe he's Mr. Lee, but I don't remember his first name, nor did I write it down. Nope. I forget, too. <laughs> Lee. 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 Yeah. I mean, I know that but part. He, I know part of his he name. He owns the hotel that Jin worked at, um, you know, when uh, when they had their meet cute. And he's there, uh, and it's like, oh, what's happening here? And you're like, she's having an affair. She's going to go to Bone Zone with him. But no. Twist, another twist. He's teaching her English. Mm-hmm. And they start talking uh, about uh, uh, teaching him English. Yeah. And now she's like, oh, and he's kind of curious. He's like, why is this being kept from... Yeah. From, from uh, Jin, Jin, which I, I immediately have to know. I'm like, wait a minute. So when she's like, hey, I want to learn English and you're the only one I can know who can teach me that can be discreet about this. Uh, I need to make sure that my husband Jin doesn't know. Did he immediately go, Jin, wait a minute. The, the doorman? The guy that like hooked me up when I needed a corsage? Like, that's awesome. You guys got together? How did that happen? I remember the last time we saw him, he was going off to America to be with a woman. He was giving yeah. it all up. He wasn't down with this arranged setup. Nah, he was he he had found love while he was at school. But he also clearly likes teaching son English. So Well, they got off on the right foot when they were kinda dating. Oh, she like, was into yeah. it. Yeah, no. She was a little, she wasn't into it, then she was into it, and then he was like, Ah, this is just a rude. Yeah, no. Well, the thing was is he was completely blind to that, but like they got on well and he's like, I'm just happy that like I can like hang out with somebody for a little bit who is in the same situation as me, who understands. And Sun was like, "Yeah, hang out." <laughs> oh, you guys can't see, <laughs> but Will made this really sad pouty face. <laughs> it made me really sad for Sun. <laughs> so, next time we see the flashback, mm-hmm. we're back. She's back with Jin. They're in the doctor's office. And there's this doctor coming in. And, you know, he's making a little bit of small talk, chit-chat to something. Oh, your father. Oh, how's your Please father Please give him my yeah. regards. Yeah, because he's a scary man. <laughs> Please and don't burn down my clinic. <laughs> he's a scary man, and I'm about to give some bad news. And Jin's like, let's just cut to the chase. Rude. <laughs> like, let's just... I get it, though. Yeah, I mean, no, for here's sure. the thing. If I was waiting on some big test results and the person's making a lot of chit-chat, yeah, I'd and be like... like, yeah, this is definitely not going to be good news. Like, yeah, let's let's dispense with the formalities. So this, this uh, doctor, he explains that there is a scar tissue blocking the fallopian tubes. He gives this whole big... He's very, thing. very deliberately clinical about it. And son cannot have children. And who takes this well? Not Jin. <laughs> he uh, flips out. He yeah. starts yelling. He accuses her. This? He, not cool, Jin. He accuses yeah. her of basically, like, catfishing. <laughs> yeah, like, did you know about this? Did you know about... But then this is so fucking good. Because then Sun says, Oh, I was trying to trap the son of a fisherman. Ooh. And that's a big... But she's also like, he's lucky that's all she said. I mean, it was so, like, Jin went off the handle. Yeah, it's probably the meanest thing he's ever said to her. Yeah. Like, like, 
Because he has no regard for her feelings in this moment. Because it, like, I don't know about you, Will, but if I were were in a fertility clinic and a doctor just told me that I could never have kids and my husband turned to me and said, this is all your fault, I probably would deck him in the face. But you know what? It's funny because even on the island, because Jin has gotten better, but even on the island this episode, he's still struggling with this old this way anger, that he behaves. Yeah. He's still struggling with it. And, and I actually think the episode handles it in a way that reminds us of it but still makes us like and realize that he's someone who he is struggling he's not he we shouldn't let him off the hook for any past behavior but he seems legitimately trying to deal with it lucky that she didn't immediately divorce him after he said that to her face so in this in this scene it's also interesting because does Jin think he is in this moment? (laughs) Because he is. He is the son of a... It's like he has almost forgotten or been so ashamed of, pushed away the fact that he is no one. He's a nobody. He was a nobody. He only exists in some level of power because her father and because he met this girl. Yeah. Well, what this what this is, this is the pot boiling over because um, we, we got it a little bit at the beginning of the episode, too, because she's like, you come home with blood on your hands. Um, and he's like, why do you think that is? Um, it's because it's, your father makes me do this. Like, even if he doesn't mean to, like, sometimes he clearly blames her for doing what her father makes him yes. do. And he knows that it's wrong to displace that anger on her, which is part of this struggle. But there are times where he clearly can't help it. And him pinning all his hopes and dreams on a baby being able to fix everything. Um, yeah, that's that's where we get this breaking point for him. And on the one hand, it's a shitty thing to say and it's a shitty way to behave. But on the other hand, as somebody, again, struggling with the violence he's having to enact on other people and where he's displacing the blame for that, like, you can understand why he says what he says and why he does what he does. Again, doesn't make it right (laughs) in any way, shape, or form. Lucky he didn't get punched. Um, so then the next time, uh... Uh, we see the son is back at her lessons with uh, Mr. Lee there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, oh, you've been distracted. So I'm like, she's looking. She's doing the thing that everybody does when they're distracted on movies Looking at a window? Looking at a window. <laughs> and he's like, oh, you've been distracted this whole time. And she explains, like, about the whole thing about the pregnancy and how she's glad she couldn't get pregnant. Yeah. She's glad because she don't want to have Jin's baby. And she Because admit- deep down, like, this is kind of, this is all leading towards something. And... And a baby would complicate it. It's already complicated enough with the fact that they have a puppy. <laughs> and she admits she was going to leave Jin. That's why he doesn't know about the, uh, the English. And basically he tells her you know, he ran away. Mm-hmm. And 
she basically he's basically you can't run away from these things like going going unless you're detective kate unless you're detective kate (laughs) she can run away from anything yeah um (laughs) and then also it kind of comes out in this guess who's guess who blew it guess who's got feelings (laughs) for sun Mr. Lee? He expresses, a, like, a feeling of, like, this is why, like, don't stay for Jin. Yeah. Like, hint, uh? hint, stay for <laughs> me, the South Korean Mr. Clean. <laughs> we could go to America together. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, you know, he's uh, thrown down the romantic gauntlet there. I really liked the scenes with him in this episode. He's good. He's very good. Like, I feel like you, it, especially when it comes to cheating plot lines, because I'm not a huge fan of cheating plot lines and love triangles um, in any of the media I consume. But there's, because, like, it's so easy to fall into the trap of, like, oh, well, we like her with Jin, so we'll make this guy a sleazeball. But, like, he's not. He's just a guy who it didn't work out with the girl he was engaged to. And he and Son have been seeing each other. And, like, this is one of those things where his feelings come off as sincere instead of, like, creepy or... And look, he doesn't really bring it up until it's clear that she's leaving Jin. Yeah. And he... To be respectful, like, he clearly wouldn't have made a move if, like, she didn't express any intention to do that. Um... I kind of feel like about him the same way I kind of feel when we had that cheating plot line with Jack, where it's like, for like usually I'd be against this, but for some reason I'm kind of okay with it here. Yeah, and the yeah, now they handled cheating fairly well on the show. <laughs> for now, <laughs> don't get me started with the start of season three. <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, I just, I'm not a fan of the big love triangle stuff. So, anyway, the final scene in this flashback Soon's walking down the street. Yeah! Get ready for another twist! <laughs> Car pulls up. It's the doctor. And he's like frantic. And he's like, I want to, like, first he's trying to get, her, get in the car. I want to talk to you. And she's like, no! <laughs> She's like, I will not do that. <laughs> and Dr. Kim, no. And then Dr. Kim. She's like, how about you get out of your car, you crazy person? <laughs> he comes out and he tells Sun. The issue is not with Sun. It's with Jin. But he was so afraid of Jin's anger that Jin would burn his practice to the ground <laughs> if he said that Jin, like Jim's, Jin's boys, couldn't <laughs> swim, you know? Uh, he's scared of him. But he feels he has to tell her the truth. Which? The whole truth. And nothing but the truth, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, that creates an interesting sort of dynamic. Um, do you think this doctor was right to be afraid of Jin, or do you think he should have just been straightforward? Because I understand why he was. I think he should have been straightforward. I mean, what's Jin really going to do? I was going to say, I don't know what the Hippocratic Oath is uh, in other countries. Do other countries subscribe to the Hippocratic Oath? I feel like that's a general doctor thing all around the world. I think that's world. a worldwide thing, the Hippocratic Oath. <laughs> I feel like I don't know who, intentionally I don't know, yeah. misdiagnosing somebody is absolutely against the Hippocratic Oath. Yeah. Like, I feel like this guy could be... Uh, 
do do you get disbarred as a doctor or just a lawyer? What's the doctor well, dis, equivalent? Disbarring's a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, what's the what's the doctor equivalent I think of being you just disbarred? Lose your medical license. There you go. I feel like that's a lose your medical license offense, right? Am I wrong? Giving a false diagnosis? Yeah. yeah probably. Yeah. I'm like, what? But like, you know, you've never had to to, to, to give, give a diagnosis to, to the, the mom. The mom. Yeah. <laughs> that's very true. I'm not a doctor. And even if I were, I've never diagnosed a member of the mafia. I'll tell you what. I'd rather lose my medical license and be alive (laughs) than be dead. (laughs) You bring up an excellent point. So He's like, worth it. (laughs) Worth the risk. So now let's get to the island. And Sun is, you know, enjoying herself in the garden planting the garden which she was recently attacked in and Jin shows up and is basically like what are you doing here you're not using the buddy system <laughs> yeah you can't be out here alone and she's like oh, i'm in my garden i'm happy i'm a happy person our our life is is good again Jin. we're a good couple and Jin's like well i'm gonna ruin that uh, i'm going to destroy <laughs> your garden the one thing you have on this island the one thing that you've built and cultivated and is yours. Let me just go ahead and tear it up so you don't have a reason to be out here anymore. Um, after this cold open, you know how for the Charlie episode we said, why do we like Charlie? And for the Sawyer episode we said, why do we like Sawyer? After this cold open, I went, why do we like Jin? <laughs> the, the thing is with all of these people, once again, if if I almost texted you, too, when I was watching it. I almost texted you, why do we like Jin? I don't remember. We've seen the humanity of all these people. Yeah. And we saw it all early on. So we latched onto them in the series. This is part of my Anna Lucia issue, where I felt like we didn't see things about Anna Lucia early on enough for me before I already made up my mind about her. Um, But we've seen all these people be good. Charlie from episode one. You know, Jin, we've started to understand the complexities of him. Yeah, it took a little while for us to get the full context for him. But when it when it happened, it was incredible. Sawyer is one just so charming, even when he's being a dick. Like (laughs) when Charlie's being a dick, when Jin's being a dick, they're kind of scary. Yeah. And unlikable. Sawyer, when he's being a dick, you still kind of like him. And part of it's that charm of his. And also... As we're going to see in a couple of minutes when I get to it. <laughs> like, Sawyer still always just helps everybody. <laughs> like, he's a dick about it. But there's no, like, when she goes to him for the pregnancy yeah. test, there's no way he's not giving it to her. And he knows that. And I think deep down she knows that. He's always going to cave. <laughs> especially for... uh. Uh, a young lady or like a kid you know things like and that and in this case it happens to be both those things so but Jin is like no I was with you because we've all been this whole season on like the Jin's awesome train yeah and- I mean Jin and Sun are unquestionably the OTP of this show so after this cold open like I would say more than any other although I keep hearing you could make an argument for Sawyer and Juliet later on down the line which we'll see but- other than that original uh, then I mean we've lived with 
Sun and Jin. Yeah. For so much. Yeah, longer. out of all of the original characters. But, but I, I like Soy and Juliet. Okay. <laughs> we'll get there when we get there, I guess. We're gonna have to stomach Juliet's introduction first. Um, but like I feel like you could definitely make a strong argument for Jin and Sun being the OTP of the show overall, and they are certainly the OTP of the original cast. Absolutely, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like that's unquestioningly. But, like, after this cold open, I was like, why? (laughs) But I think this gets to when we see in the course of the episode, Jin, and it's no excuse for his behavior, but he is trying to put his old ways behind him. And look, here's the thing. If you're trying to deal with an issue... Mm-hmm. Say your heroin addiction, or <laughs> your father issues, mm-hmm. or your anger issues brought upon by your father-in-law insisting you become an enforcer <laughs> for him. Being in a high-stress situation like these people have been for months now mm-hmm. on this island, it's not going to be an easy. It's not going to be no. a simple like turning off a switch. And and. Even though it can sometimes get repetitive in the context of a TV show, human beings, when it comes to addressing character flaws, it's so easy to fall into the same trap of making the same mistakes over and over again. Like, you know, earlier this season, Sun straight up forbid him from going out into the jungle to look for Michael. And at the end of that episode, she was like, yeah, it's not fun being told what to do now, is it? And here he is in this cold open, telling her what to do because he's scared yeah yeah and i i think the other thing the reason we get away with it a little bit more is we did see she was brutally attacked (laughs) and the perpetrator still has gone unpunished yeah charlie (laughs) and i mean he starts destroying her garden which is terrible but we also know that like he is trying to protect her. I don't know. It's not really excusable, but there's some psychologically you can no. justify what's He's going on in his scared, head. and when yeah. Jin is scared, his default emotion is anger instead. And this is and anger is not rational. So he, him destroying the garden isn't him trying to protect her. It's literally him acting irrationally, yeah. trying to get her to trying to control her because in his mind controlling her behavior is the only way to deal with the situation and that's not the correct way to go about it um so sun's at the beach she's not happy she's got a lot of thoughts going Mm. on in her head she sees rose and bernard briefly they're doing some (laughs) some fun bickering about rose's birthday them being an old married couple yeah it's so cute and how rose knows it's saturday i mean she's really (laughs) kept up on the because yeah the whole thing is yeah like bernard forgot her birthday which not gonna lie i would kind of love to see the mini webisode of like oh bernard forgot her birthday where it's just like the sitcom well, on the island. <laughs> we're coming up very soon to the Rose Bernard episode. I can't wait. That's yeah. going to be great. Um, but, like, I I love his excuse of, like, I didn't forget our anniversary. I just don't know what day it is. Because, like, I'm not on a desert island, and I think that's a valid excuse. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I can't tell you the number it, of times I've, I like, I know certain friends' birthdays, 
and where I didn't realize until like five o'clock in the afternoon that it happened to be that day. Not because I didn't know what day their birthday was, but because I just didn't know it was Tuesday. You know? I am excellent with birthdays. And when I tell people what their birthday is, I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, your birthday's this day, your birthday's that day. They're always, they always get very worried because then they don't know mine. <laughs> but I'm very good at the birthdays. <laughs> In fact. Do you think you'd still be as good with it if you were stuck on a desert island? I thought about that. <laughs> and I don't know. I think early on I would be doing a real, like, trying to keep track of the days. And then I think after, I mean, they've been on this island for like 60 plus days now, right? I would have just given up. <laughs> yeah, I probably would have too. <laughs> Although, for some people, like, counting and keeping track is something that helps keep you sane. Um, for me, on a not-desert island, it's just hard to keep track of the days in general because for work, so much of it is, like, deadline-based and, um, like, what day ahead you're working on uh, for later in the week. So, like, I spend... Monday working on Tuesday and Tuesday working on Wednesday and Wednesday working on Thursday and Friday and then um, Thursday working on Saturday and Sunday and that's what on like a normal week on a week where like there's a holiday or something my schedule gets completely thrown out of whack so like a lot of times I don't know what any day yeah. <laughs> is because I'm always looking ahead um, so then Sun sees Sawyer reading a Judy Bloom book uh, it's, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. <laughs> yep. And, uh, you know, she asks, uh, how it is. This is kind of predictable. Uh, not nearly enough sex, exactly. I think is what he That's said. What he says also, yeah. <laughs> Which, I gotta be honest, like, I think this is, like, the first time Sun and Sawyer have had, like, a one-on-one -on -one conversation with each other. And it's kind of cute, because she's, like... She is trying to sweet talk him a little bit. So she is giving them the eyes a little bit and giving him this nice smile of like, hey, buddy, how's and, it going? And she's like, I want to I want to look at the medical supplies. And he's like, well, no. <laughs> and she's like, please. And he's like, well, just tell me what you need. Because, again, stories about the cave. Yeah. And of he also, as, you know, con man is always looking for information. So, like, if he were to be, allow her to just look without knowing what she wanted, like, that's not information he can use. Sawyer's all about that gossip. <laughs> and then she says, it's a pregnancy test. And the first thing I wrote down, knowing that she would get a pregnancy test, was... Why would they have that on the plane? And I think it's interesting that, you know, who else must have thought that? Uh, Elizabeth Sarnoff and Christina M. Kim, because these writers later had Kate kind of question, why was there, why did there be a pregnancy test? And know. I guess the answer for that is that it was probably in someone's luggage. Yeah. As opposed, because, like, it's not something that the flight attendant staff would have. And I guess somebody was trying to get pregnant on the flight. Or trying not to get pregnant. And they're like, no, I better take this pregnancy test with me. Did you see the brand name of the pregnancy no, test? No, I didn't. Is this one of the Easter eggs you were talking about yes. offline? Yes. Yeah, before we got started, Will said he noticed a few Easter eggs. I shouldn't have said a few. I noticed this one. <laughs> but, 
You noticed one Easter egg. <laughs> okay, what is this Easter egg then? The. Uh, is it Tagarado? No. Damn it. Okay. The. The. Uh, brand or where the pregnancy test comes from is Widmore Labs. Charles Widmore's a company I guess he owns. Interesting. That's kind of foreshadowing for later, isn't it? Because there's no Charles Widmore yet. No. And this is... (laughs) It's funny. This isn't a coincidence. (laughs) No, this is not a coincidence. (laughs) Because Widmore doesn't exist yet. I mean, he exists in the minds of Damon Is Lindelof. Is he going to exist by the end of the season, though? Um. Well, his. Uh, I, Probably. Yeah, well, yes, because, I know his daughter does. Because Penny. Okay. Um, okay. I don't know. I can't remember whether we see him, but he exists. Because, like, I'm going to be 100% transparent right now. We are at the point in season two where, in my mind, a lot of the events that are about to transpire don't take place in season two. They take place in season three. And that's that's not the actual order of events. But in my mind, I have assigned them to season three for some reason. <laughs> I think probably because of, like, I think maybe there was, like, a mid-season hiatus for a little bit, like, for the holidays or something. Well, I back, don't know. Well, back in the first three seasons yeah. before the show got a little more streamlined, there would always be breaks, yeah. which were very frustrating. Season I, three had a very frustrating break. I feel like the break for season two, in my mind, is what's causing me to view these later season two episodes as, like, season three. <laughs> like, again, that's just that's just how it is in my brain and how I my faulty memory has contextualized everything. So someone's going to take this pregnancy test? Yeah. But who comes stumbling through the jungle eating an Apollo chocobar? <laughs> Hurley. Hurley. And both of them have this... Contraband, basically. Yeah, both of them are like, don't, like, let's not talk about this kind of thing. <laughs> like, hey, on. look at this thing I found. Want to split it? No? Okay, goodbye forever. <laughs> See you back at the beach. <laughs> let's never speak of this again. <laughs> and I feel like this is a scene both to show how Sun is hiding it, but also setting up some more, which we've seen. We've seen Hurley's been yeah, sneaking food. This is, and that's going to come into play in a Hurley episode. So. This is definitely... Because I feel like the the thing with Sawyer could have been a one-off. Like, I don't know. Maybe you're just in the mood to eat ranch <laughs> one day. But, like, I mean, this... I'm always in the mood to eat ranch. <laughs> as am I. But, like, this is definitely a moment where they're basically setting it up as a reoccurring plot point. Yes. Like, we know when she runs into him here that this storyline isn't going away until it gets addressed. Um, but then Sun goes back to the beach... She confides in Kate. Kate helps her with the, the test, and we look at it. She's pregnant. Sun's, like, now kind of like, oh, what does this mean? What are yeah, we... and uh, Kate is like, oh, my gosh, like, you're pregnant. Like, this is good news. But also, like, it. I love the acting here because it is a torrent of emotions because on the one hand, you know, this is something you should celebrate and be happy about. On the other hand, you're on a scary island with a lot of dangerous stuff. And as we saw, like, being pregnant on this island, there can be a lot of complications with that. So it's it's good, but also, like, uh, <laughs> it's complicated. And Sun herself has said, it's complicated. That's why Jin's not here. That's why it's girl time. <laughs> but, of course, 
only logically, he should involve a doctor. <laughs> so they do tell Jack. And Jack was like, you know, no, these tests are pretty... Pretty, pretty accurate. Pretty accurate. You're more likely to get a false negative than a false positive. And she realizes she's going to have to tell Jin she doesn't know what to do. And Jack basically says, in one of the few times I feel Jack has given pretty solid advice, <laughs> tell Jin the truth. Yes. Tell him whatever you got to tell him. Tell well, him. He's going to be like, well, first and foremost, I'm going to tell you don't poison him. <laughs> That's going to be my first bit of advice. I know your instinct, son, would be to poison someone. That's not what we're going to do here. What you should do is be forthcoming for once. Someone for once on this island be forthcoming. <laughs> and in a little moment before Jack leaves them to go back to the hatch, Kate's like, spent a lot of time in that hatch. I feel like... And he's like, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Kate's one of the few people who doesn't really know the full story of what's going on. I feel like there are... Most everybody right now doesn't know the full story of what's going on because it's Charlie, Saeed, in this episode, Anna Lucia, Locke, and Jack. And, and that's Echo it. knows. And Echo. And Echo. So That's it's, a lot of people. That's a lot of people, but, you know, not everybody. But you know soon enough that, like... You know, only, you know, two people can keep a secret if one of them is dead. So, like, you know that eventually everybody's going to know. It's just, word hasn't gotten through the grapevine yet. <laughs> so, meanwhile, Bernard's trying to find an oyster. Hmm. Wants to find a pearl. And he's trying to explain this to Jin. And Jin's like, no oyster. <laughs> Not here. <laughs> and then who comes... Sauntering I up. I love this. He's like, hey, Daddy-O. <laughs> Sawyer comes and sees Jin. Because Sawyer knows what's going on because he gave her the pregnancy test. I love that, Daddy-O. <laughs> and I actually like the way this is handled because then Bernard's like, oh, wow, you're fine. Like, he's kind of good. And, Jin's, and Sawyer's like, I don't think he knows. And then it cuts to Jin. And, he and he's can't, just hearing garbled he's nonsense. He's hearing garbled nonsense. Where he's kind of picking up maybe something because I think what they did I don't know it sounded I, like they it sounded ran like it. they made it backwards that's what it sounded like which a show like this I would say under normal circumstances if this was like the first time I was watching a show like this I've been trained by shows that are like oh there's a backward message in there like oh it's got to be a clue <laughs> but no it's I feel like it's just for the effect here um. Then Jin goes, he, he goes and he replants the garden. He replants Sun's garden. He realizes, he's starting to realize. How alone he is, how yeah. isolated he is. And the one person who he has, like he was pushing away again. And he goes and he replants the garden. It is funny that he was, t like, it was a conversation with somebody trying to make amends to their wife yeah. for their transgression that made him, even though he couldn't fully understand it, that made him go, I need to be nicer to my wife. And she sees him doing this, and they kind of have a heart-to-heart, -heart, and she confesses the doctor's confession and tells him that she's pregnant. But then she explains to him, I didn't cheat. Like, I, you have to believe me. And he does. And he's like, then it's a miracle. And he's going to be a proud papa. He wants to, I love that he wants to, they want to tell people. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, Sawyer probably knows. And he's like, 
daddy-o. Like, <laughs> and he's like, ah, I get it. <laughs> and he then leaves her to her gardening. Yeah, because she wants a couple minutes alone. I will point out that, like, as an audience member, this is interesting. Because even though Mr. Lee expresses interest in Sun, we don't see them engaging in an affair. And even though it hasn't been explicitly stated in Bernard and Rose's storyline yet, because we haven't gotten there yet, um, they are laying the groundwork for that, for that upcoming episode. But we know from, you know, season one, Locke regaining the ability to walk, we know that, like, medical anomalies can happen on this island. Jin can, ha- can now impregnate someone. Locke so- can walk. Rose's cancer, which we'll get to. We'll get to. Yeah. But, like, here's the thing, is that, like, we don't know that yet. Like, so we're like, wait, is this another... Because Jin straight up says, it must be a miracle then. We don't know if it's a... like, And this is where I think the storytelling is both brilliant and kind of frustrating. We don't know if it's... Um, if it's a miracle, like he said, another island miracle, like he said, that has restored his fertility, or if it is um, just like a straight up medical anomaly, because we don't know for sure, again, if the island magic is what caused John Locke yeah. um, to, to get his legs back, um, or if, in fact, Sun had an affair. We, we don't know. It's because we we haven't but been given we, all the relevant information yet. The, like all the pieces are there, but it's open to interpretation. So you don't way. you think that her can her saying she never cheated could well, still be a lie? The, the look on her face as they're hugging suggests that she's not telling the truth. But like you can also cheat emotionally, like. You don't necessarily have, like, cheating isn't just going and having sex with somebody. Like, Jack cheated when he kissed that other girl, even though that was very much like a whoopsie. Like, you can kiss somebody and that could be cheating. So she could have been like, although she does say specifically she's never been with another man. And then it, like, the look that she gives is like, oh, that was a lie. So, but again, we we don't know. We don't know for sure. There are implications, but there's nothing concrete. And if there's anything this show has taught me so far is that sometimes even if we do see stuff in flashbacks, it's not shown to us in the right order. That's true. (laughs) So we could see something later on down the line to contradict what we're thinking is true now. So, But I I do want to say I think it's good writing to establish this as a, well, is it, whose baby is it? I think it's good writing, but I also find it frustrating because, as I said before, I don't particularly like cheating or love triangle plot lines. But I think it's I think it's good dramatic setup in terms of like what we know about the island so far and what we know about Sun's past so far. I think it's good dramatic setup. So there's another storyline in this episode. <laughs> yes. Yes, there is. That has nothing to do <laughs> with it, with what's going on over here. But has to also do more with what the main ongoing story Which is. Which is honesty. Right? Honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, the main uh, theme of the, the episode is Oh, the honesty. episode. But, I like, you're talking like... about, like, meta island stuff. Yeah. yeah. So... And Lucy is running. Sprinting. 
Yeah, she's training for a stupid army that she didn't ask anyone to be in, <laughs> except Scott Steve. A three-man army: <laughs> Jack, Edelucia, and Steve Scott. And Locke's hanging out by her uh, tent, and she finds this interesting because Locke never talks to her, and he almost immediately says, "We got this guy, Henry. Ben. We need someone to dig a hole." <laughs> Yeah. Anna Lucia, you're the only one who can. He feels that given her history with the others and her history as a cop, she'd be ideal to interrogate. And she's like, hey, you don't need Jack's permission. Again, mm. always with this. Also, I'd like to point out when Locke talks about the hatch in this scene, he refers to it as my hatch. Yeah. Which is which... very like, he has ownership over this hatch. But I kind of get it. Yeah. Because he discovered it. He was the one who came up with the idea to go into it. He's the one who believes in pushing those numbers. Like, it is... Jack doesn't really believe in the He's the one that's taken responsibility for it. Uh, Jack's just kind of there. Although I will point out, I was like, I think it was more Desmond's hatch (laughs) than your hatch, John. Desmond's gone. (laughs) Yep. He abandoned it. So, finders keepers, I guess. (laughs) And because it's Locke's hatch, he feels he can go anywhere in it at any time. So like Creep, he's standing in the bathroom while Jack's getting out of the shower. Weird flex, am I right? Like, this is a weird flex. (laughs) And he's like, ah, the steam opens up my pores. Uh, It makes it easy to shave because they don't have shaving. Why don't they have shaving cream? They have everything else in this hatch. (laughs) They were clearly men stockings that they didn't put in shaving cream that would explain that would explain desmond had a beard right no (laughs) then maybe desmond took all the shaving cream on his way out (laughs) just saying it's a little weird that they don't have shaving i concur i concur i think that's weird i think it's just a weird flex Um, John's just showing that he can do the mountain man beard shaving without the shaving cream. And he goes, you know, I think it might be a good idea for it to have <laughs> Anna Lucia interrogate him. Oh, by the way, she already is. Because, <laughs> yeah, Jack's like, I'll talk to her. And Locke's like, don't worry about it. She's already there. <laughs> and we see her interrogating Henry Gale, Ben. And she's asking him to tell the same story. He's sick of telling it. Mm-hmm. He's asking him to tell the same story. Now, he's only been down here apparently three days at this point. <laughs> Seems like he's been down there forever. <laughs> but he's only been down there three days. And uh, she tells him about, you know, when she threw a guy in a hole. Mm-hmm. And it was the wrong man. And she's like, and I don't make the same mistake twice. So she's like, draw me a map to to your balloon and he's like oh, i can't she's like you mean to tell me you can't draw me a map i'll tell you what i wouldn't be able to draw a map i thought he drew a pretty damn good map <laughs> when we said i wouldn't be if you told me megan will megan, <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> i'm talking to myself in this scenario go for it if, if you said will draw a map to taco bell down the street I'd probably mess that up. I could do it. Okay, I could. Pro- okay, <laughs> the Taco Bell I probably could because it's pretty close. But you know what I mean. Like I, I frequented don't know, enough. <laughs> like I don't know if I could f- 
for. I could tell you how to get to that Taco Bell. I could tell you to get how to get to the nearest Taco Bell to my house. I could tell you how to get to the next two nearest Taco Bells but, to my house. And I could draw you a map to all four of them. But I mean, okay, here's the thing. Also, we're in a place with no roads. Yes. Like, it's hard yeah. to... Yeah. Oh, no, like, that's the thing. I could draw a fairly okay map of, like... The Toluca Lake, North Hollywood area, and I could draw you a decent map of like the Sherman Oaks area because that's where the 405 and the 101 intersect. Anything outside of that, like, and I'm talking like big bullet points, like that's where the Galleria is, like that's where this movie studio is at. Anything outside of that, I'm gonna have a lot of trouble. <laughs> and this is like, you know, when you see the map later, it's like, Cliff. Like, for, like, I don't know. It looks like a child Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm like, there's nothing about this map that, like, would tell me where to go. <laughs> uh, like, the only thing is, like, here's a trail. Here's a clearing. I feel like in the jungle there are lots of trails. But he knows it because that's where he buried his wife. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> anyway, Anna basically comes out and is like, I'm going to talk to him again tomorrow. But then we see it go to Saeed. She's already got a map. He drew her hey, the map. Saeed, want to go on an adventure? <laughs> want to yeah. go on a trip? And we're bringing Charlie along because Saeed had already confessed this all to Charlie. So... Hey, guys, we're going on a trip. This is going to be fun. She doesn't want the egomaniacs of Jack and Locke, which is a fair point. She's like, let me figure this out. I get it. I was going to say, are you on board with Anna Lucia leading this away mission? Because as you've said before, you very much dislike her. I don't like Anna Lucia, but I agree with her statement of Jack and Locke are too busy uh, about worrying about Jack and Locke. I wrote this sentence out, but basically, <laughs> the, I can't read my Jack head. and Locke are busy worried about Locke and Jack. Yes. Something along those lines. Yes, that is what it is. And I wrote the word <laughs> about three times. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what I was doing when I wrote this note. But I agree with that sentiment. And that's been a big issue for me with these two right now. So, and plus she's bringing Saeed. But... They're walking through the jungle, and she's, like, clocking everybody. Charlie's got a gun. She's like, what are you doing with that gun? Give me that gun. He goes, last time you had a gun, you shot somebody. <laughs> it's like, uh, and poor Saeed having to be the adult and being like, come on, stop. <laughs> but he does give the gun to Saeed. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they're doing this long walk, and they have to camp. And this is one of the, like, Anna Lucia knows she's unlikable. Anna Lucia knows why I don't like her. Like, Anna Lucia knows <laughs> and she people says don't like her. she's sorry, Will, so why don't you accept her apology? <laughs> like, she's like, people don't like me, so I gave up trying. When we've already met Anna Lucia, mm -hmm. she had given up trying, mm -hmm. and which is part of the problem. We're basically saying this is a character that's going to be a struggle to like. And again, she just wasn't on the show long enough for me to come to I guarantee you. If she had been in season three, by the end of season three, I would have been a fan. <laughs> but she says to Saeed, like, you're the one person who has reason to hate me. But Saeed doesn't blame her anymore. He blames the others. Yeah. He blames this whole situation. He understands why she was shooting at someone coming to the job because of what she'd been through. 
Yeah. And it is a mature yeah. moment. Saeed understands, Will. Why can't you? <laughs> Saeed understands and is willing to forgive. Why can't you understand? <laughs> hey, look. I understand it. I don't like it. It's a difference. <laughs> uh, who was it that said Anna Lucia is a great character? End quote. <laughs> oh. Uh, I still like her. <laughs> um, oh, I'd also like to point out, while Anna Lucia is interrogating them and Jack and Locke are talking, Locke is listening to the Geronimo Jackson Is album. he? Yeah. <laughs> A side note. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I do. I do just want to point out that I do love this scene in between Anna Lucia and Said. Um, you know, it's well written, well acted, just superb. You know, two really talented actors just knocking it out of the park, and it's again, it's just well put together. So, brava to everyone involved. Um, yeah. So the. Uh, Basically, morning comes. Charlie's like, "Hey, let's eat the uh, breakfast here." And I've got like, papaya. And I got papaya. Papaya, papaya. And they're like, "Nope, we're we're close. We're pressing on." I feel like you could eat papaya on the go. I'm sure Charlie did. <laughs> and they're gonna search for the balloon. Now it's starting to rain. It's a mess. And they're like, "Hey, we're here. Balloon would be pretty big. We don't see it." But Anna Lucia, and to her credit, I will give her credit for this, she's like, no, we have to be 100% sure. And Saeed's not thrilled about this because he just really wants to go back and fucking he's, kill he's like, Ben. Because, like, that was the thing is, like, he's like, we we just need... Because he had made up his mind that Ben, you know, Henry, was a member of the others. Yeah, he had and made up like, his mind. this is going to prove it. Yeah, and him. he's he's literally just looking for proof, so he has an excuse. Yeah. And... To to Henry's credit, he was right when Anna Lucia was talking to him about like you you people are just looking for somebody to take your 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 frustration out on, and that's me. Never mind that I am responsible. <laughs> How dare you want to take your frustrations out on the party responsible? <laughs> but she says we're gonna look for it. We're yeah, and that's kind of left to next episode. Except, except we get a little, we get a little cliffhanger here. Yeah, so they've decided to let Ben come out of his little little cell. By they, you mean like Jack? I feel like he didn't really run this by Locke. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Jack, Locke looks kind of surprised. Jack, but he does offer him breakfast. Yeah. So Jack lets Ben Henry out, and they're like, oh, why don't we eat? Uh, these, uh, this, uh, this Dharma initiative, this Dharma cereal. initiative cereal. And he's asking a lot of questions. Like, how old is this? Yeah. What's that computer for? And they're like, he's like, oh, you guys don't really know a lot. What's <laughs> going on? You don't ask a lot of questions. And he says that he drew a map for Anna Lucia. And they're, they're both he's surprised. He's like, oh. You didn't know? It's like, there's a lot of trust issues here. <laughs> so they sit down. That's what happens when you guys have dick measuring contests. No one trusts you to actually make decisions. And he's like, yeah, I, uh, I drew him that map. And they're having breakfast. And he's like, but you know, <laughs> I wasn't out there. Now, this is the moment where, like, almost all pretense just drops to the ground. But there's still <laughs> enough. Like, maybe this guy's just, like... That's why I said almost yeah, all pretense. Yeah, that's true. That's but, true. like, again, 
you you can see the shit eating grin. Like you can see again. If he had a mustache, he'd be twirling it. It's like <laughs> if I was one of if I was one of those people, which I'm not. But if I were, <laughs> I draw a map to my people so they could ambush them. Then they could take them and trade them for me. If I was one of them. Which he's clearly one of them because no innocent man would talk like that. And he says the last line. Good thing I'm not one of them. And then he's eating his breakfast. And I will say this. Michael fucking Emerson. He's so good. He's so good at being so evil. And, you know, last week I was a little annoyed about how easily, like, you see the strings of him manipulating yeah. Locke. And I'm like, ah, it's a little too easy. But when you see a performance like this from Michael Emerson, he is, you. I totally get why they buy it. I totally get what what like I I still don't buy last week's I, I don't buy last week's I don't but this but one this is so good this is so good <laughs> this is he like is, yes give this man the Emmy <laughs> he is fun and he is one of two actors who won an Emmy for the yes. show he is fucking with them so well and that is why I am going to give him I'm going to just jump to it it's my Jacob it's just Michael fucking Emerson in this last scene is every like this is the moment if they hadn't already decided this is the moment when uh, Linda Laugh and Coos they were like, oh, we got to keep we him. We have to keep this guy around because he is so good here. That is my Jacob. He is amazing in this moment. Yeah. Um, this is the moment where I dare say this becomes a different show because you like I would argue this. This is the moment where it becomes a different show. And I don't I don't mean that necessarily in a bad way. But, like, this is the moment where it's less about survival and less about, like, warring against the elements and having to come together as a group. And this is the moment where we meet our antagonist. And this is war. Yeah. And, like, this isn't... Because we still don't really know what the smoke monster is. Um, and, obviously, the smoke monster ends up being the main antagonist of the show when it comes to Endgame. But, like... This is the moment where the audience is introduced to the bad guy. Like, you you very much get the sense that Mr. Friendly and everybody else we've met, that they're all just kind of henchmen. Or, they're pawns. Yeah, they're pawns. This is the bad guy. And Lost, we've never seen the bad guy in Lost up until this point. Because, again, it's all been, like, situational and circumstance and, you know... You know, pawns, for lack of a better word, as you, you said, running around. This is our. This is the moment where somebody gets set up as a big bad, and it becomes a different show as a result. And again, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but like I will point out that this is a moment where I feel the shift more than any other time. Now, as the person on this show who's not supposed to like laws, how do you feel about the shift? Um, mixed. Because I, I love the show so, uh, like, season one, I love it so much for just being this story of humanity and survival against the odds and having to come together in the face of overwhelming circumstances. Like, I love that aspect of the show, and I think it's what made me fall in love with Lost. That being said, like, so moving away from that is a little frustrating, but, like, at the same time, you can only do that for so many seasons before you do have to evolve. So I understand 
the mentality of the necessity of that change. That being said again, <laughs> like, I think this is brilliant. I don't necessarily like what the show becomes, but I think this is a brilliant way to make that shift. This is the second time, I would say, this season where the show has a moment that totally rev- uh, changes the entire show. The first being the very first scene of the season. With yeah, with the hatch. And they're yeah. both moments where you re- this is one where you realize the mechanics, the schemes of this are bigger than you realize. And the hatch at the beginning was when you realize the world is bigger than we realize. Yeah, I feel like it works for the hatch, and I feel like it works here. When we get to time travel is when I'm going to be like, okay, no, so no more, no. That's when I, I, I love it. Um, what, what, uh, Maybe I'll feel differently when we get there. So we should wrap this up. Um, I already just said my Jacob because it was I had too good an in not to. But I just, I mean, Michael, I'm, I got chills. I'm yeah. watching this episode here, you know, on like a Saturday morning, just just watching. I've seen it before, but I still get chills from that. What's your, uh, uh, Jacob? I, I have to agree with you. I think that was the most effective part of the episode. It was a fantastic way to leave it off. And I could sing that scene, scene's praises from, you know, we could do another hour <laughs> where it's just talking about how great that scene was. But like... For the sake of being different, I'll say the scene between Anna Lucia and Saeed where, you know, everything's out in the open. She apologizes and he goes, this isn't your fault. I really like that I, scene. I also, another one that could have easily been my Jacob was that the, the, the twists and the flashback, I think, yeah. are really effective. Um, which brings me to my Man in Black. I am really struggling in this episode because I like so much of this episode. There's, there's nothing I really dislike in it. So my Man in Black's a really kind of... Stupid one. <laughs> I mean, we have it's, episodes like that. It's okay. It's, Sometimes a nitpick is a nitpick. Don't like... <laughs> like... Okay, I think there are a lot of little <laughs> stupid things in the episode <laughs> that make me... Like, why was there a pregnancy test? <laughs> why wasn't there shaving cream? Why is that map drawn by a child? <laughs> like, I feel like there are these... And they're not important. Like I almost they're not feel deal like, breakers, but they are break, moments that like, break the immersion a little bit. Yeah, it's like uh, the, the screenwriters just needed her to take a pregnancy test. But guess what? There could have been a pregnancy test in the hatch, and I would have bought it more than the plane. There could have been something fertility drugs and stuff because we know that we're just in a I lab mean, the week before. They, they I'm just easily saying. could have gotten it from. From the lab that and I know then that room, it's like one of those things that I think like the twists are so well written and the speeches are so well written and the motions are so well written, but I think a few of the mechanics getting to these places are you like, see the strengths. The, a the bit. reason why there's a pregnancy test on the plane is so that we can have that moment between Sawyer and and son, and then Sawyer and Jen. Yeah, and like it's it's literally it serves um it's a means to an end, and sometimes. That works, and, and sometimes it rings false. By the way, I'm being real nitpicky <laughs> because I actually really liked this episode, and I was really taken with so much of it. But Megan, maybe you have a legitimate gripe. Um, no, I mean the the only kind of like the the only gripe I have is a justifiable one. Like the only gripe I have is like like I said after that cold open, I was like, why do we like gin? Well, I mean, <laughs> part of me wondered should the 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 um the man in black thing be 
did Jin take too much of a step back? But then by the end of the episode, like, I really believe Jin is is moved and realized he was wrong. Yeah, no, I could easily give... I think I'll give the man in black to... Yeah, Jin does take a step back, especially since earlier this season, we did have that whole scene of, like, I didn't like being told what to do. It wasn't fun for you today, now was it? Like, the, the narrative made a point of doing that, and I remember being kind of annoyed by that in that episode <laughs> because of how... Um, Sun and Jin and Michael's stories all intertwined and how that ended up panning out. I remember being kind of annoyed by that, but like, I was like, but it serves this purpose because they have this very frank conversation at the end of it. And now here, it's like that conversation didn't happen. But even though, like, that's a pet peeve of mine in television is characters who make the same mistakes over and over again. But honestly, that's real life. And that's kind of been a reoccurring theme with us this season, too, is we're seeing and, Sawyer fall back into his old ways. We're seeing Charlie fall back into his old and ways. And again, look, it's hard to change in life. It's even harder when you're stuck on an island. <laughs> you know, yeah. in all honesty. So, on the one hand, yeah, I'm going to give it to Jin and his temper in this episode. However, that might end up being my main man in black for all of season two, is just characters making the same mistakes over and over again. But again, that is that is a real life thing. So maybe it's a man in black for life. <laughs> I'm gonna give it as a man in black for life. And I'm sure once we get to season three, we'll have real world man in blacks to talk about when it comes to this show. So that was the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Megan, where can the people find you? Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T H E M E N G U I N. Once again, I was on. A, I, I've done a lot of stuff for the Story Geeks this month. I've talked about It Chapter Two. I was on that episode of Nerd Fight, and we also talked about Brightburn. So if you want to hear me talk horror on the Story Geeks this month, go check those out. I am also a member of Rooster Team Radio, and I do a YouTube channel called Silver Scream. So check all that out. And you can follow me on Twitter at the real Will Link. And again, find my book, Crazy About Kurt. It's on Amazon. It's the holidays coming up. It's a good stocking stuffer. Just buy it. <laughs> uh, if you listen to the show, you're stupid if you don't buy the book. <laughs> right? I mean, you listen. You spend this much time with me. Spend a little longer. Um. So, until then. See you in another life, brother. Hey there, everybody. I'm Will Link of No Love Lost. With me as always... Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And we're here to talk to you about the podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Uh, yeah, the podcast Jukebox Network has been super supportive of us as we venture back to the island. Uh, and so we just wanted to take a minute to thank uh, them and to let you guys know that you guys should be supporting the other podcast put on by this fantastic network. If you are enjoying No Love Lost, definitely give a listen to many of the other podcasts, far, many of which are far less vanilla than we are. Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, Off the Cuffs, which is kind of the flagship show of the network. It is the BDSM kink podcast that kind of launched this whole network uh, off. You've got the Goth Librarian podcast. You have Being There podcast, a great storytelling podcast. You have the Queers Next Door, also on the network. 
uh, Proud to be Kinky, uh, Drinks with God, and a little podcast that's close to my heart, Megan. What is that one called? Will Sean Podcast? Yeah. Will hmm. he? I don't know. Spoiler alert. Uh, not as frequently as usual. <laughs> but you should definitely subscribe to all these shows, rate them, listen to them on iTunes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, these are all fantastic storytellers. It's so important to be sex positive. So go support these other podcasts. And uh, yeah, if you like us, you might like them. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. We're on the same network. <laughs> so yes, rate and subscribe to all these terrific shows. And don't forget to rate them all five stars. And also rate us five stars. Yeah, while you're at it, you're listening to us. Might as well give us a rating. <laughs> you're already there. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs>